Thanks for joining us for our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're currently in our series, Fresh Fruit, where we are diving into the fruit of the Spirit. As a believer, the fruit of the Spirit should be coming out of our lives. It should be shown in all that we say and do. Just as when you see an apple tree, you see apples on it. As a Christian, others should see you and see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. They should see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They should see Jesus in us. Our vertical relationship with God must be lived out in our horizontal relationships with others. So let's jump in together to this week's message of fresh fruit. We're so glad you're here. Abigail Kanzunza, and I would define kindness as putting someone else before you and just like always being attentive and just like making sure that you are doing the best you can for others before kind of yourself. I think kindness is important because just being able to just do something kind for somebody, not knowing what type of day they've had can make a huge impact on someone's life and that can always lead to like a pay it forward type of situation. And I think just always meeting someone where they are and disregarding like how they've treated you and just doing something good because it's good um, is good. And I think that as believers in Christ, we have been called to be kind because that is what Jesus demonstrated for us and um, just being Christ-like and walking in his footsteps, I believe that is something that we should do. Abigail Kinzunza. She's a sophomore at Vanderbilt. So I'll just go ahead and use this as a segue um, to welcome and be excited that we have so many college students in the room. We're glad that you guys are here. Um, and if you are in college, we have lunch for you downstairs today after church, free and provided for and giving you an opportunity to hang out with others. And so I hope you guys will stick around at the end of the service because we love to connect in that way. Hey, listen, we're in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, if I haven't had a chance to met, met, meet you before, um, my name is Nick Allen, and I get to be the campus pastor of this location of Rolling Hills, and it's, I typically say, a privilege to step into this spot and unpack the word, but today I'm in a little bit of fear because it's on kindness. I felt like my teenage daughters were side-eyeing me through the entire first service, and I didn't want to make <laughs> eye contact for all the deficits of kindness that they know are present in my life. And so if anybody wants to raise their hand, volunteer as tribute and trade places with me this morning, I will happily step aside. Um, But we're talking about this Fruit of the Spirit series. And this morning as we start, I'm going to give you guys a pop quiz. Don't be afraid. This is literally on your honor system. You just finish the sentences that I start if you know the answer. If you don't, that's okay. Mark it off and you can kind of keep your score as you go. Okay, so the first one is kind of a softball. I feel like you're all going to get it and then you'll understand how this is going to work. If at first you don't succeed, Sweet. Okay, you got that one right. Correct. Okay, good job. All right, live and let live. Okay, if some of you just quoted like a, 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 a James Bond movie, that's hashtag awesome, but also wrong. It's live and let live. Okay, um, how about this one? And I feel like only a certain subset of the room is going to know this, but that's okay. Um, live long and yes, and you know a hand motion that goes along with that. And some of you wanted to make it at this point. 
And others of you are looking at, like if you're a first timer here and you don't know what this means, you're thinking, I have just stepped into a cult and you're super afraid. <laughs> um, it's not. Google it. You'll be fine. I promise. Okay. How about this one? And I feel the first service, I'll go ahead and tell you, like only one person sheepishly said the answer because they were afraid. Listen, if you know it, be bold. Be bold and wrong. That's okay. Just do this. All right. Be kind. Rewind. See, the same thing. Like, people are nervous. Like, they don't know. To, like, a lot of people just don't know that word altogether because they don't have that technology anymore. But those of us who grew up with it, you know that the phrase is be kind, rewind. Okay, how about this one? Nice guys finish. Thank you. I mean, somebody is confident up here to say the answer loudly so that everybody, some of you didn't know the answer, but they started laughing, and you're like, last. Like, you just, you waited to hear them say it before you confidently jumped in. And this one right here is one that I heard all the time growing up, and I have a little bit of a beef with it, but I'll say it and see if you know it. If you don't have anything nice to say, your mama told you that. If you're not from the South, mama is what we call our mothers. Okay, so you, you heard that sentence before. Like, if you don't have anything nice, then just default to being quiet. And that is, like, as a parent, you really hope that your kids will follow that example. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, and if you're here this morning exploring faith and trying to figure out, like, I just came to church because somebody invited me, and I think it's kind of weird. Okay, sometimes we think it's weird, too. It's okay. Um, If you're here this morning and you're just exploring this idea of faith, what I want to say to you today is that as believers in Jesus Christ, people who have, have determined in our life to trust God for everything and to believe that he sent his son to die in our place and that he came back to life and we live to follow him, we ascribe to the truths that are in this book and we seek to emulate them with our life, we want to be a people who Galatians chapter 5 live out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you're thinking, Well, I've seen Christians before, people who claim to know Christ and follow that word, and they're not that. And so you may come here a little bit suspect today and think to yourself, I've met believers in Jesus, and they're not that. And I get it. I promise you. But as believers in Jesus Christ, this is what we're responsible for. Like, this is the calling that we've been giving. And you can find these places in hints in other properties around the world. But believers in Jesus Christ, we are to be. Like, and the world can expect this from us. Like, you can hold us to this standard. One of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Whoo, that's a hard one. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. We're going to get to those in the coming week. Gentleness and self-control. Like, this is the thing that we're supposed to do. So I have a problem with that statement. Like, the idea of, like, like if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. The truth is, if we don't have something nice to say, something's wrong. And we need to do an evaluation of why we as believers in Jesus Christ, who were called to bring the nice, to bring the season, to bring the light, to bring, to bring the goodness to any situation that we encountered in life. Like, why, why don't we have anything nice to say? Something might be wrong. That's okay. It, it can be fixed. And, and maybe today, for whatever reason, these passages of Scripture and this, this picture of what, what God says about kindness can, can be part of the solution in our life so that we can be people who bring that to the world, so that the world can come to expect, maybe not to see that from all Christians, but to see that in you and maybe see Jesus better because of you. I told the first service crowd this. I'll, I'll repeat it to you guys today. Hey, listen, make this promise. Like, commit yourself right now not to elbowing anybody else during the middle of this service. 
as if they need to hear this more than you do. Um, and I'll do the same. Like, I'm not preaching to one specific person in this room knowing that you're, like, the least kind person that I've ever met in my entire life. Literally, like, I'm not even making eye contact. There's no names out there that I'm thinking of right now. It's probably just me. Like, I'm the one that needs to hear these words. And I'm not, like, <clears throat> clearing my throat whenever something is said for my neighbor next to me. Like, just focus on what God's word says because there might be something in it today. I know there has been for me. There might be something specific for you. Ephesians chapter 4, um, verse 32, Paul is writing to the church of believers, telling them how they're supposed to live, and he says these words, be kind. You can underline that word if you like to underline words in your Bibles, and compassionate. You can underline or circle that one too, because we'll come back to it for some emphasis a little bit later. To one another, forgiving each other. Woo, if you want to give a little dot to forgiving, we're going to come back to that as well. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. The Bible, you know, wasn't originally penned for us in, in Latin or English or anything that we kind of know as a, as a modern language today. It was originally written in Hebrew for Old Testament, some Aramaic along the way, and then Greek for the New Testament. The Greek word for kindness in this moment, the idea of being kind is Christos. And you're like, ooh, that sounds like Christ. Not the same word, but you're right. They do sound alike. So if you want to take that with you today and understand that like being kind is being Christ-like, you just take that, put it in a box, and make sure that you live in that way. But Christos literally means this, fit for use, something that's just useful, something that's better, like it is the better way, and also something that's easy, and you're like, hold up, kindness is not easy, I know, hold on, but when we're kind to the world, we're going easy on them. When we're kind to others, we're, we're cutting them some slack. We're, we're being people who are easier to be around because whether we like it or not, and this can be something that we take up with him one day and say, well, I didn't really necessarily like this. I thought it was a little unfair for you to have this expectation of us, God, whether we like it or not. Kindness from us, it's in your notes this morning if you like to follow along, kindness from us or the lack thereof, unfortunately, is how the world will see Jesus. It is how other people will see Jesus. If you're in Ephesians, I'm flipping back over to chapter 2 and starting with verse 4, it says this, but because of his great love for us, like because God loved us, we know John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, because of that great love, the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ, because of his great love for us, God who is rich, you can read the word abundant, never running out, like there's never a short supply of mercy. He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead, doomed in our transgressions, our sin. That, that word transgression, the idea of sin, literally means to lapse. It's literally the idea of lapse, so that whenever I behave in a loving way, but then all of a sudden I'm, I'm unloving to the world, it's a, it's a lapse or a relapse in my life. Whenever I'm supposed to bring joy to a situation that's hard and difficult for people to see, and, and then I don't, and I'm just wallowing around in my own misery, it's a, it's a lapse, it's a transgression. Whenever I'm supposed to be a person of peace or a person of incredible patience, but I'm, but I'm impatient, it's a lapse or a relapse in my life. When we were dead in our transgressions, like not working things out very well on our own. It is by grace, like God's gift, that we've been saved. And then it says, and God raised us up, like Christ Jesus raised from the dead. Three days later, the tomb was empty, and that while we're dead in our sin, we get to be raised up. We get to be alive again and seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It's joining God's team in order that what? In the coming ages, he might show 
Like, we're the coming ages, by the way. This word that was written down to a church in Ephesus thousands of years ago, like when Paul wrote that letter to believers in Ephesus, is so that, like, all this happened to you, you've experienced grace, you've experienced forgiveness, you've come to Christ, so that in the coming ages, we're the coming ages, y'all, so that in our age and in our generation, in the coming ages, and then everything that comes after us, God might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed how? In his kindness to us, in Christ Jesus. Y'all, this is squad goals. Like, this is how we are supposed to live. And we're supposed to illustrate to God how grateful we are for his kindness by letting that kind of kindness flow to the rest of the world so that people can see Jesus. Look around. Like, the people that are seated next to you, if they trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they've been redeemed and forgiven of their sins and brought to life by Christ, they are supposed to be representations of how good God is. Like, you're a living embodiment of how good God is. And you could take that in one of two ways. Like, the first way you can take it is like, whoa, I'm pretty Christ-like. And I'm literally modeling my life after Jesus. And when the world looks at me and the way that I behave and the way that I speak and the way that I respond, they literally get a picture of how good God is. It's awesome. Or you can take it like this. I am such a wretch. If God would pick me, if God would choose me, if God would save me and forgive me and allow me to be a part of his team, whew, that's an illustration of how very good he is. And he is. Like our lives as chosen, forgiven, loved people, we get to be God's representatives to the world of not how good we are, but how awesome he is. I know you have somebody in your mind this morning, somebody that you think is just like, really a rock star at kindness. Somebody that's literally just the kindest person that you've ever met. Maybe you're that person on somebody else's list. Like if they were offering up senior church superlatives today, they would nominate you for friendliest or kindest person in the room or the world. Like maybe you're the thing, like the picture of what the world should see underneath the definition of what kindness is. So, so think, whoever that person is in your life, think about it. But then also think of like where you measure on a scale of kindness. And like where you fall on the idea of what it means to be kind to the world. How do you respond when something does not go your way? How, how do you respond when someone in your life or in your path doesn't measure up? Andy Stanley, pastor, teacher, writer, says lots of great things, wrote this down. He says, kindness is love's response to weakness. Like definitionally, kindness can easily be summed up with how you respond to weak, hard, difficult, mean things in the world? How do you respond when your desires aren't met and your needs go unfulfilled? Is it with kindness or is it with retaliation? Is it with resentment? Is it with aggression? Is it with bitterness? Is it with impatience or frustration? Or is it with literally God's love? We've talked a lot in this series about what the opposite of some of these things are, and, and it might be easy to determine that the opposite of kindness is meanness, but ultimately, I think the opposite of kindness is judgment. Paul wrote to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. He said, you therefore have no excuse. I hate it when the Bible says I don't have an excuse. Um, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else. 
For at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Like we literally all the time are people who judge folks for doing the same things that, that we ourselves have done. It says, now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, let's be reminded that we're all human. When you pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, this is the beef that an unbelieving world has with Christians, that we judge them and yet do some of the same and sometimes even worse things. It says, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his Christos, his kindness, his forbearance and his patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. We want kindness to be easy, just that thing that we can so naturally do. But the problem is, sometimes, in fact, oftentimes, humans are hard. Like, we're just hard. How about this? You got one of the quiz questions wrong earlier. Let me give you another one that I think you'll get. You can bring back up your GPA. Actions speak louder than? Yeah, Andy Stanley says reactions speak louder than words. That it's our reactions to, to things in life, the, the stimulants, the frustrations, the difficulties, that our reactions to things reflect our confidence or our lack of confidence in God. We would love for kindness just to be that easy, natural thing that we all do so well, but humans are hard, and if we're really, really honest, being human is really, really hard. But as long as you're taken in air, you have an opportunity to redirect. You have an opportunity to course correct. You have an opportunity to take another quiz. When I was in high school in Charlotte, North Carolina, Mrs. Jones was my 11th and 12th grade high school calculus teacher. I had her for calculus one, and then because she was the only one that's smart in the whole wide world, she also taught calculus two. And every, the woman was old when I had her. I'm certain that she's already gone on to be with the Lord, or maybe like some of my classmates suspected, she's immortal, and she's still there terrorizing all the students of Independence High School in Charlotte, North Carolina. But Mrs. Jones would start out nearly every single day, like 99% of every class time that we had her with today's glorious quiz. Like she would say, clear your page, clear your desk, except for one piece of paper and a pencil, because it's time for today's, not just regular quiz, a glorious quiz. And none of us thought it was glorious. <laughs> you could literally set your clock by the fact that this woman was going to give you a quiz every single time you walked in the door. And while there were moments where we were so frustrated to have to take another quiz, there were also moments when she would randomly not give it, and you thought it was literally the best thing ever. But the reverse is actually true. The, the quizzes were actually a kindness to us. It was an opportunity to see, okay, do I really understand all that homework I did the night before, and am I really prepared for the test that's coming? The quizzes were, were softballs just to see if we were ready and to alert her about the things that we understood and the things that we didn't understand so that she could go back and review the things that we needed in order to prepare us for what she knew was coming. The quizzes were a kindness to see how we were doing. I think some of the challenges that you face in life and that I face in life, although they are so frustrating in the moment, although they are so difficult in the moment, although they are like, Lord, take this problem away, they're actually a kindness to us. It's a quiz to see where we are, to see how much we've mastered, to see how much we've learned, to see how much Christ has infiltrated our life and how much the Holy Spirit has, has birthed these things in us or how much work there still is to do for the Holy Spirit, the teacher, to equip us for the good things that God has for us. The, the lack of kindness 
is ultimately an indication of weakness. Hey, this is what I don't know yet. This is what I'm not capable of. This is what I'm confused by. This is what I'm not ready for. The lack of kindness is an indication of weakness. So what we really need is Jesus. We just need him. Matthew chapter 11, he says these words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Somebody said amen, because you feel that way. Like, I, I do too. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And he says, for my yoke is easy. It's the word Christos. You, you can literally substitute, my yoke is kind and my burden is light. And all that that means is that from us, from Christ to them through us, that kindness is strategic. It's not just some accident that we really hope to become more like later in life. Like, oh, if I just, I don't know, I'll just naturally become more kind, probably as I grow older and slower and more patient. No, like sometimes that just makes you mean or no offense. Like, like I literally want to be a person who, who naturally grows in kindness. No, kindness is not something that naturally, it's not some happy accident. It's a strategic action step in the world. Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest recorded discourse in life. He says these words, so in everything, okay, everything just means everything. There's no like complicated Greek word that I could give you in this moment. Like everything just means everything, all things. Do to others what you would have them do to you. We know this as the golden rule, and sometimes we even forget that it comes from Scripture. Do to others what you would have them do to you. And then it says this, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And if you're somebody who studies Scripture a lot, you think, well, I've heard that sentence before, the idea of like summing up the law and the prophets. Like, like where is that? It's connected to a phrase that Jesus also used when some expert in the religious law, some expert in all of the Old Testament and the prophets and all of the like pharisaical laws that came in between the two testaments comes up to Jesus and asks him the question, hey, what's the, what's the most important command of all the 600 that we had to learn when we were kids and everything that the Pharisees has imposed on us now? Like, what's the most important command? And Jesus answered him and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Like, literally love him with everything. And then he gives him a bonus. Like, hey, here's, here's, here's a bonus. Here's some extra credit. The, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He quoted the book of Deuteronomy, and he quoted the book of Leviticus, and he gives them the two most important commands. And then he says this, all the law and the prophets hang. They get their root. They get their meaning. They get their ability to be accomplished with these two commands. And he sums it up and says, hey, all of the law and the prophets can be summed up by you just being the same level of kindness to others that you would hope and ask them to be to you. And then we get something really similar from Paul. Quiz, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul says, against these, against such things, there is no law. Like, there's no adversary of kindness. There's, there's, no, there's no judgment on being patient. In the future, like 30 years after Jesus had ascended into heaven and left the disciples all along and Peter preached a sermon and the church was born, he goes on to write down to a very dispersed, very persecuted church. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he writes these words to people who are facing all kinds of junk in life. He says, live such good lives among pagans. Don't be offended or scared of that word. It literally just means people that don't believe in Jesus yet. 
live such good lives among pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, like they may not like you, they may judge you, they may accuse you of things, you may even be in this context arrested for things, that though they accuse you, at some point they can see your good deeds and what? Glorify God on the day he visits us. That they may somehow see Jesus because of the way that we live and because of the way that we walk in love, because of the way that we avoid sin, because of the kindness that they experience from us. Even then, it doesn't mean that Christos is going to be easy. Because it's strategic, that's for sure, but it's also a sacrifice. You heard Abigail say that on the video, that kindness is a sacrifice. I'm going to kick it back to the Old Testament, to Exodus chapter 34. God's giving the people who have just come out of Egypt in a land of slavery into a land of promise. They're in that wandering around intermediate period, and like Moses crawls up to the top of a mountain, Mount Sinai, and God gives him the law that he takes to people that tells them how they're supposed to live, and he says this. He gives them all these festivals and holidays. Celebrate the festival of weeks with the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the festival of ingathering at the turn of the year. Like he's given them these instructions for these festivals that they're supposed to engage in. And this is a nerd alert. And if you want to tune out for this next moment, uh, you can go ahead and do that. And then I'll bring you back when I'm not going to be nerdy anymore. The Feast of Weeks in Hebrew is called Shavuot. And it literally takes place seven weeks after Passover. Seven weeks, that's 50 days. Like it starts on the 50th day after Passover. Passover is what we celebrate at Easter because we know that that was the holiday that Jesus was celebrating when he was with his disciples and they celebrated a supper and then they went up to the garden and he was praying a prayer and then he was arrested and then he was tried and he was convicted and he died on the cross. That was the holiday that was going on. 50 days later, the disciples have seen Jesus ascend into heaven and they're scared about what's happened next and the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. So 50 days after Passover, during Pentecost, or during the Feast of Shavuot, that's when the Holy Spirit descended on the church. And what they're celebrating with Shavuot, what they're celebrating with the Festival of Weeks is the, the giving of the law, the giving and the receiving of God's presence among them so that they'll know how to live. And the way they respond is to bring their first fruits, to bring their good grain, to offer to God this thanksgiving of what he had given them, this first fruits holiday matters because it's a sacrifice. And when you and I think of fruit and bringing to God our first fruit and our best fruit, we ought to understand that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, they are a sacrifice. They involve us sacrificing ourselves for other people. That word first fruits is literally the Hebrew word bikarim, and it it has connotation for a lot of scholars and writers, and it would take me a whole lot more study to figure out if this is actually true in the scripture, but it does make a lot of sense to me that it, that it, that it indicates a promise to come, that we're expecting something, that, that this first fruit indicates that there's a promise that's coming, and it ought to be our very first and our very best opportunity, because when you plant a seed, you plant it with a promise that that seed is going to grow in the weeks and the months to come, that it's going to grow and something's going to sprout up. When we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's the fulfillment of a promise that he's going to develop these things in us when we bring to God our first and best fruits and we don't have any left for ourselves in the moment, it's an indication of a hope-filled, faithful promise that he's also going to take care of our needs too. The lack of kindness is a result of a scarcity mindset. 
that there's not enough of whatever it is for me, resources for me, time for me, room for me. First fruits is saying, I know there's going to be enough. I'm going to give to God my very best. I'm going to give to the world my very best. And I'm going to trust that regardless of how much I have to sacrifice, there is going to be enough because God is enough. Kindness ought to not be our last resort or our second step. It literally should be our very first response to any of the drastic stimuli that happen to us in the world. It should represent our very best selves, not our sloppy seconds. And the world should be able to expect these things from us. Kindness matters because it, it helps us to remember who God is in our lives. Remember, and when we remember, we give thanks. Psalm chapter 107 says this, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice, sacrifice, thank offerings. These, these thank offerings that people brought, they were not out of obedience. They were not commanded by God. They were given by God as an opportunity. Anytime you have a safe trip, give God thanks. Anytime your harvest is plentiful, give God thanks. Anytime your prayers are answered, give God thanks. Like always be a person that's thinking of the ways that you can thank God. Tell him of his works and sing songs of joy. It's an opportunity to express gratitude. You know what the typical thanks offering was in the Old Testament? First fruits, good answer. It was five loaves. Bring five loaves. Anytime something's good, take the first five loaves and, and bring them to God as a, as a sacrifice, as an, as an offering, as an attitude of thanks. Where have I heard five loaves before? Oh, Jesus took five loaves one time and fed 5,000 people with five loaves. The scripture says he gave thanks and broke the bread and, and passed it around, and there was enough for everyone. Sometimes we're not kind because we don't think there's enough and we got to get ours. We got to protect ours. We got to keep ours. We got to save ours. Five loaves. It's an expression of thanks to God and it also highlights our dependence on God because we're saying, you're the one who meets our needs. You're the one who provides. You're the one who grows. You're the one who offers. Leviticus chapter 23, it's a, it's a picture of what people are supposed to do during Shabbat, during that feast of weeks on that first fruits. It says, on the same day, in verse 21, you are to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. Y'all get a break? It's like Labor Day. <laughs> Love it. You can kind of sleep in. You can regroup. You can catch up on some household chores, but you don't have to go and work for the man that day. Like, you get a break. Like, this, this feast of Shabbat included with it a break, and we love that, but you know who did not love that? People who lived in an agrarian farmer society. Oh, if you're still taking a break because I was nerdy for a minute, you can turn back in. Like, the farmers didn't like a break because it meant that you had to trust that your crop was going to be okay, even if you weren't the one doing it. And so we're invited to trust God even when we're not in control, even when we're not striving, even when it's out of our hands, even when our service is how we live, we're not going hard after it all the time. We literally take a break. It's a kindness to ourselves, and it's a recognition that ultimately God is the one who meets our needs. We, we, we offer kindness to the world to remember who he is, but then also to declare who he is to the world. Kindness is a way that we share the gospel. 
Steve Chagrin wrote a whole book about it called Conspiracy of Kindness, this idea of servanthood evangelism. By literally just being nice to other people, you're communicating the gospel. Luke chapter 6 says, love your enemies, do, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. You don't have to pay me back. He says, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind. Christos, kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. It says in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. When we're kind to people who don't deserve it, when you're the nice guy in the room, even though somebody else is the mean guy in the room, you are communicating the gospel of God that says he sent his son to die for wicked sinners. It emphasizes forgiveness. Kindness isn't just holding a door for somebody else. It's not just saying a kind word. It's not just waiting your turn. It's always attached, Ephesians 4.32, to the idea of forgiveness. And it's hard because what we're up against is hard. The world is hard. People are hard. Like this rat race that we live in and the pace that we try to keep up with, it's all really, really hard. And this command to forgive, which is attached to the idea of kindness, some people are like, oh, but Nick, you don't know the ways that I've been wronged and the bitterness that's just so naturally in inside of me. I get it. I get it. But right in this exact same phrase, Ephesians 4.32, Paul gives us a key. You see, be kind, Christos, fit for use. The way to be useful in the world, the way to be, be better for the world, the way to be fit for the world is attached to compassion. You see, kindness means fit, but compassion some of your Bible translations say tender-hearted. It literally means, you're going you're gonna to laugh, it literally means having a strong bowel. Yeah, I said that, yep. Having a strong gut. Having a strong resolve. Having a strength in the way that kindness takes strength. The only way to be kind is to have that kind of strength. The only way to be that compassionate is to have that kind of strength and that's what we can ask God for kindness is not weakness but ultimately it's a picture of the the kind of strength that Jesus has for us and the kind of strength that he wants us to exhibit to others quizzes are kindness because they, they they tell where we are we, we know how much we've learned we know how much we've got to make up for this 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 picture of strength the opportunities that we have to be kind to others in the world are our are, are picture of how far we've come in Christ and also how far we've yet to go to show his kindness to others so that what the world can expect from us is not judgment, so that what the world can expect from us is not aggression, but so that what the world can expect from us is kindness so that they will somehow begin to trust that there's actual forgiveness attached to God's love. I don't want us to pray today for that. Because kindness takes incredible strength, we're going to pray for really strong bowels. Because we know that the world, it needs us to do well on our quizzes. It, it needs us to do really well on all those incremental opportunities to show them kindness so that one by one, layer by layer, people can see an accurate picture of Jesus, that's why this fruit matters. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the chance to be in this place.
Thank you for the chance to look at these words and to understand that this is not an unrealistic expectation for us, God. Because Jesus died for us, we can be kind. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we can be kind. That does not mean that it won't take strategy. That does not mean that it won't require effort. That does not mean that it won't cost us and require sacrifice from us. But ultimately, it means that you are at work in us and the world can expect kindness from us because that's why you came. Father, help us to be a people who exhibit that to the world so that thereby they will see your son. It's in his name that we pray today. Amen. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so that you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History and Parenting podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. We'll see you next time.